the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network, presented by Coors Light. Go from full time to game time. Coors Light, made to chill. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, please rate and review the show, despite the team being so uninspiring. Uh, I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined for the first segment by my two fellow co-hosts, Blake Murphy and Alex Wong. Uh, Alex, what's going on, man? Uh, what's up, man? Just want to let everyone know, thanks for your kind messages this weekend. Uh, for people who saw that my 2001 Honda Civic might have reached its end. Yeah, to tell so, us about that. What happened? Yeah, you know, it's just, you know, smoke started coming out from all corners of the car as I was on the highway on Saturday. Uh, thankfully, I was safe. Everything's good. Oh, I'm Will Lou. Um, and, um, yeah, the car's been towed to Markham now. My dad's trying to resuscitate it, so it's not it's not over yet. But I just want to... Quickly shout out the uh, Zito's uh, family. Had a chance to see them today because the car shop was just five minutes away. Shouts to Olga for the wonderful sandwich, Alexandro, um, Angelo, and um, everybody. Yeah, that's it. I have follow-up questions right? on your... Uh, on my car? Let's sorry, whose because... name are you not sure? Al- Alessandro? Alessandro. Ali the kid. Um, Anyways. How long have you had the Civic? This was my high school car. Oh, so, so you've had it since I've actually had it, yeah. So technically, it's a 2002 Honda Civic. I realized when I finally looked at the car manual on Saturday, but we've it been call- better like yeah, we've been calling it the old one Civic. So yeah. we're going with that. This was my first car uh, ever, like my first car in high school after I failed my G1 three times and then finally got my G1. Oh God! Um, <laughs> you failed the G1. Three no, no, times. the G1 I mean, or G2. Talk, no, not the written tough. test, the driving one. Oh, uh, it's G2. Okay, so I failed my G2 three times, I think, two or three times. But anyways, I I broke up with the Civic for a little bit because I got a Nissan Altima when I think I like came out of school, but I just missed my Civic, so I claimed it back. So on and off, we've been together for like two decades. So it's my really the longest relationship in your life. <laughs> shut up, man. Um, <laughs> Straight up, just shut up, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know how to steer it back after that. Uh, Me neither. Um, yeah. Uh, it's funny you switched for an Altima. I, I had a '95 Altima as my first Ooh. car. I bought it in grade twelve. With like all yeah. my African Lions Safari and home hardware money, um, so, so if this you was worked on the African Lions Safari. Yeah, I, I have had Whoa. every job you African could possibly Lion have. African Lions Safari. Really? Yeah, I have had. What every, was your job? Um, that place. Um, I was on like the kitchen side, so they have like a food court there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I would work like outside, basically like barbecuing. Um, wow, and like, like, so, so when staff uh-huh. wanted like a staff meal or whatever, you come out to my little area and then like my area is kind of a, like the unofficial parents need a break. Like, yeah, like yeah, two yeah. parents and three kids went and like, okay, dad's going to take a little break for a bit. And then mom will tag out. Six um, Lizzie's coming up. Yeah. And I was just there like <laughs> manning Lizzie's. the barbecue. It was great. It so was, uh, I mean, there's I, different like, depths. There's things that <laughs> add character to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ethically, I don't know about the African Lion Safari generally, but uh, like as a summer job, it was uh, it was fine, and I lived like a ten minute. Yeah, so, there, so okay for Nat Batia or anybody else in the car business watching, hit me <laughs> oh, up. You're um, a free agent, all right? Free so, agent. O2 Alex, O2 Civic. Like I'm trying to put myself in like what burnt CDs were you playing first? In? Like Nas, the Lost Tapes is probably like the first thing. Yeah, you Yeah, a lot of G Unit, a lot of G Unit mixtapes. Okay. Nice. And then you make your own CDs, obviously. You all gotta you gotta end every CD with either an Usher or a Donnell Jones. Just a little slow jams at the end. Yeah. Yeah, that was the right. that was the steez back then. Oh, that's crazy. Raptors talk coming up. Yeah. The Raptors talk. So what were the Raptors up. doing in O2? Probably better than uh than their two. Well, you right know, now. the Raptors were, you know, and we'll get to it. Raptors with a very disappointing loss 
on Friday. But, you know, thankfully, Shohei Otani almost came here and then didn't. Uh-huh. So that's good news, right, guys? Yeah, so uh, your weekend was spent attending to uh, the potential, you know, death of your car. Which, mm. by the way, LeBron is still in his prime coming into the league at 03, but your 02 Honda Civic is now just officially done. LeBron is literally longer running now. You don't understand, brother. your car. I was literally waiting for the CAA to truck to come and streaming, uh-huh. trying to stream the in-season tournament final on my phone. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. yes. That's how you spent your weekend. Yes. Blake, how did you spend your weekend? Because obviously yeah, I have, sorry, to the show well, last I have week. one more note on that. Go ahead. The Raptors <laughs> had seven head coaches in the time that... <laughs> Alex has had that car. <laughs> Who was the coach in 02? Lenny Wilkins. Lenny still? Wilkins, yeah. That Kevin was, uh, O'Neal. The, the last first Vincier. The Kevin, last like full good Vincier. So Lenny, Kevin O'Neal. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Sam Mitchell? Yeah. Yep. Jay Triano? Yeah. Dwayne Casey? Yeah. Nick and uh Pizza Man? Yeah. There we go. Darko? Okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah. So party. This is how you spent your weekend. Blake, uh, I know we've been well, you have been diligently on call, literally on call tracking. Have you the show showered? Ladies. Yeah, um, what, what, <laughs> we what? have sh- we have a gym here, and I I have showers at all. Okay, okay. that's that's uh, that's the only question I have. Will, what you got for for Blake? How was your weekend? Because obviously the Shohei news uh, broke over the weekend. Yeah, so um, you know Friday there was some reporting, some expectation that maybe something was imminent. So uh, I ended up sticking around here. I had to do Raptors pregame. TV we all ended anyway up sticking around. Here's the yeah. thing. The whole, um, I've never seen this many it. people in the office at once. Suckers. Yeah. Uh, and then I did Alex and Justin show. Yep. And then I ended up just watching the Raptors game here because I was okay. writing off of it anyway. I was mm. like, I may as well. Um, but yeah, Saturday, the, the news came and I was, uh, yeah, I was like in the middle of a workout mm. and didn't know if we were going radio only or TV. But I just like threw on a hoodie and, and like got here in like, I think I got here in like 12 minutes. Um, I did not look TV ready. So thankfully, we only did okay. radio and podcast side. I did hear um, your segment because um, I was I was driving, hopping in the car. Um, it was a great show. Yeah, uh, we did like two hours. Me and you Jeff had someone Blair. from LA. Yeah, so right? so Jeff Blair and I did it, and then yeah. we had Shy, we had BNS, we yeah. had uh, Bill Shaken from. Uh, I love from when LA you side. call him BNS. That's such a sick nickname. But you know, Smith. yeah, I'm not trying to spend that many syllables. B- BNS is a sick nickname, mm. though, man. Also, Anyways. like everyone who works here, other than the three of us, is named Ben. So it's helpful if you can <laughs> uh, specify. Diversity and inclusion. Anyway, it's obviously, uh, look, the parallels to the Kawhi situation are, are pretty extreme, right? Like yeah. the, if you look at this and you can walk away thinking, you know, you didn't get the guy, but you controlled pretty much everything you could control. Hey, we got the new player facilities in Dunedin that are top of the league. We, we got the renovations going on at Rogers Center that are top of the league. Um, we came correct roughly <sighs> based on Ben Nicholson Smith's reporting that the Jays were pretty close BNS. to that number financially. Mm. What can't you control? Well, can't control if he wants to live in L.A., can't control if he wants to be on the West Coast because that fits better with um, fans in Japan. We talking Kawhi? Right? Oh, we're talking Shohei. Okay. This is yeah. This is what I'm saying though. The parallels are very similar. Where the Raptors won a championship, yeah. kept him healthy, offered the max, did everything except like make Dennis the owner of MLSE or whatever it was he was asking for. Um, so yeah, the you know the Jays didn't control quite as much because if you were coming off of a World Series with a strong farm system and stuff like that, it's a better pitch, but. Yeah, at the end of the day, he wanted to be in L.A., and $700 million is uh, $700 million. Yeah. Um, it's disappointing. It's uh, it's going to be a tough tough one to bounce back. It's crushing. I, I'm not overstating this by saying that it would have literally been a life-changing decision for you personally. Yeah, I mean, it certainly would change the dynamic of this show after the trade deadline probably <laughs> once uh, the Raptors have officially white-flagged it and uh, – 
One yeah. segment. I, uh, you know, I don't know what the the plan. Like at some point, yeah. I'm going to go back and do Jay's Talk Plus, yeah. like I did the last two summers, um, timing TBD. <sighs> but yeah, it would have probably been a all hands on deck from day one. Yeah. This is, uh, you know, it, there's also an element of you become a much bigger um, national priority in the United States. So, yeah, yeah. you know, there are more eyeballs, there are more listeners, there are more, you know, requests or whatever. I mean, you guys went through it with the the championship run with the Raptors, right? Like it yes. changes the dynamic of even if your day-to-day doesn't change, your place in the, the kind of national uh, narrative changes a little bit. So it would have been cool. It would have been a lot of fun. Um you know, Jays have to turn the page here. Ben Nicholson Smith and I are doing a, a Jays Talk Plus podcast tomorrow to go through BNS. some kind of, you know, play, Shohei was plan A, Soto was maybe plan B, and he's gone now too. So we're like, you got to add up like plan C, D, E, F, G together oh, and, and hope oh, that you can get buddy. something there. It's going to be a depressing podcast, Bro, but that's, that's coming later in the week. Plan, plan A is uh, Michael A. Taylor, my brother. Um, As Drake once said, AB, I got your CD, you got an E for effort. As Drake once said, if you ain't got it, you ain't got it. <laughs> That theory is brilliant. Um, I think oh, I think from a tough. fan perspective too. I know Blake, you were asking us um, on Friday, like you know how it feel for us specifically to like for Shoei to come here. Just for Toronto fans, man. Like I think anytime this happens, and the same thing happened when Kawhi um, decided not to stay here, is that Toronto fans have to spend the next like forty eight hours to uh, forty eight months like reconciling with all their own insecurities and like reconciling with the fact that hey. Another athlete decided not to come to Toronto, recognizing, uh, reconciling with the fact that there's like certain media members who view it as a positive that Shoei Otani didn't end up in the third largest market in North America um, here in Toronto. So it's just like reconciling with a lot of those things because like sometimes I think it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. People just expect the worst. And then when the worst happens, you can't help but just like rec- like have to deal with these things. Yeah, and it's also tough because like, you know, on the Raptors side, obviously the championship changed some things and some guys stayed. DeMar and Kyle stayed. Serge stayed. You know, Pascal stayed. I, I know people don't care as much about those guys as like, did Kawhi stay? Did Vince mm-hmm. stay? Uh, did Chris Bosh stay? But there's also a weird thing where like the Raptors have certainly, and look, last year and this year, maybe less so, but as you know compare it to 2012 or whatever you know their place in the nba is much higher and better respected and things like that the raptors have only been a cap space team once in the last decade so we actually haven't seen yet if you can do anything with that in free agency oh we pulled Amari um, carroll yeah that's the only year they had cap space um that's Nasty. because the new yeah. tv deal came in and everyone had cap space right, um, we pulled Hito too. that's but, right and, and then on the jay's side like those things can come in and they haven't gotten like the a1 free agents but like Kevin Gosman, George Springer, like, like mm-hmm. Hyunjin Ryu was a mm-hmm. really big deal when that happened because the Jays weren't established at all yet. Right. That was just a, can we get a guy to believe in Vlad and Bo and where we're building um, when Ryu came? So the Jays have done some things. It's just like mm-hmm. you, the drop off this year from Shohei to everyone else mm-hmm. is so significant that it's going to be, you know, even if they're a better team on opening day this year than they were last year, it's not going to feel the same as Shohei and to Alex's point, you know, that's a, that could be a tough thing for fans to come back for. That could be yeah. a tough like PR and sales thing to come back from mm-hmm. as well. And to the, you know, a couple of Jays fans have been like, well, are they even going to spend the money now? Maybe not $700 million, but those new premium suites are still there. They mm-hmm. still got to be sold. The team's still got to be competitive. So, yeah, I mean, I guess the bigger picture for me is just like, do you, do you really, do you really need outsiders to validate your own like, existence or your own worth essentially because like okay after the raptors won a championship did you feel you needed espn and people like that to to validate 
Toronto as a market and the two million people or whatever we had out at the at the parade. No, no, I'm not even I'm not judging that. I thought the the moment was just a moment. It was exciting. I, never during that parade did I think is ESPN going to think about us. You know what I mean? Right. That, and that's what I'm yeah. getting at. Is yeah. like like look at eyes at your own page. Like I don't know yeah. Don Draper. It right. Like I okay. Once you get to a certain point, who who cares what other people think of you if you are secure in that? And the Jays obviously had that in the '90s mm-hmm. when they were signing and trading for a whole bunch of stars to yeah. cons- to build around that core and win a second world series um and that would and that you know without the lockout that would have maybe kept rolling a little bit there mm-hmm. um there's no reason and then the jays got there a little bit in 2015 2016 there's no reason they can't get back to that the same way the raptors got there it, it was always going to be crushing if you're going to finish runner up to getting like yeah. literally the once once in a generation possibly best uh, baseball player ever. i think the toughest thing for toronto fans is like you think about, like, when you're, like, L.A. and, like, not the Dodgers. Like, you think about when you're the Lakers. Like, you know, you strike out on, I don't know, man, like, LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, oh, Carmelo yeah, the Anthony. Levine, Adam Levine. And, 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 <laughs> the reverse LaMarcus Aldridge and, jersey. And then you get and then you yeah. get LeBron James. You yeah, strike yeah. out on Kawhi Leonard, but you already traded for Anthony Davis. It's mm-hmm. like you can strike out on big free agents, but you know the next one's going to come through the door, too. Whereas for a team like the Blue Jays and even the Raptors, if you want to apply it, you don't get those shots like every year, right? Yeah, and but the, I mean, we don't need to be like the best. Otherwise, we're not valid. You know no, what I, mean? I don't like, think it's just a validation. I just we're wanted just Otani so we could win. And, no, I get well, this yeah. is the other thing, right? It is like if you are not the Dodgers or Welcome the Yankees, to the if you are not show. the Lakers <laughs> or the Celtics you want or to talk Raptors Hornets? Like, no, 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 no. Please, like, Blake, it, go it on. It does yeah. put an imperative on you that like, like, look at where the Raptors are right now versus where they were pre Kawhi trade. Mm. And there are a lot of reasons for that gap. But what if they stopped doing well? Well, they've stopped hitting on draft picks and undrafted mm-hmm. guys and yep. turning, yep. you know, third stringers into second stringers and second stringers into starters. That is the kind of thing that even if Dame had been available, KD had been available or whatever, you are no longer in a position where if you make a trade like that, you jump to title favorite or title contender the way you did with Kawhi. And I think if you're the Blue Jays, again, you can't walk away from this being like, well, we couldn't control anything. You know, LA is LA, et cetera. You can still do better at the like, hey, our farm system is not the worst in the AL East. And, you know, our team has won a playoff game Mm -hmm. in the last seven years. So I I do think you can't ever, you know, like you're just not going to be able to like New York and LA. That's something you can't make up, but you can do a better job of the things you can control. So if something happens, you're mm-hmm. like, if Shohei comes around or Kawhi comes around, you are absolutely no question a title contender if that happens. And I, and I don't know that that was true with the Jays this year, the same way it was with the Raptors and, and Kawhi, where it was like, okay, you see the vision immediately. Yeah. We're like, honestly, we're basically like 28 other markets. We're probably the maybe one of the biggest out of those 28 other markets, mm-hmm. but like you got to build it yourself. Yeah, no, it's, it's New true. York and L.A. And then, like, yeah. market size-wise, Toronto's right there with Chicago. And then... But nobody... Here's the thing. People don't actually care about this somehow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they just don't. And, and like, mm-hmm. it's a weird thing because, like, yeah, we hear about, you know, the national TV games for basketball all the time, right? Like, Raptors fans yeah. track that for so long as a, as a kind of point of validation or, or U.S. relevancy. And it's true. The Canadian viewership doesn't count to the ratings in the U.S. or whatever. The Jays have, like the best viewership game to game Mm -hmm. in major league baseball. And you can make the case that, Hey, the whole country thing that is very, very real for the blue Jays in a way that maybe it wasn't for the Raptors because of the, the Grizzlies history and stuff until the championship years Mm -hmm. came around. Um, You can make that case that from like a marketing and audience Mm -hmm. perspective that, that, you know, Toronto is really like the Canadian market 
um, when it comes to baseball. Yeah, and people aren't even watching like, you know, like traditional TV like that as I'm on a traditional TV platform. But it's like, you know, they're streaming now. There's so many different ways to access it. So I do find a lot of those. I just find a lot of those arguments about, like, you know, Toronto. It's a good thing that, you know, these athletes aren't in Toronto. They're just lazy arguments. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you can you can think of reasons why, like, you know, Shoei Otani would be better in L.A. than Toronto. But those arguments feel really lazy to me and archaic. Yeah. I think the, the other big loss that I'm dealing with is uh, I wear a Dodgers hat a lot. And I feel like people think I'm trolling Yo, this, if I so wear this, it now. Okay, this, and and yeah. I actually, I wanted to ask you about this on yeah. Jay's Talk Plus last year. because She also had Dale Nomo, by the way. I, I know you did the article about like, hey, when does sports gear transcend sports and just become like yeah. cultural gear? I was like, focused on I the Yankees. You, I was right. focused on the Yankees but hat. like a yeah. Dodger, just the L.A on a blue hat to me yeah. is like that's close to the Yankees and I, I just wear it sometimes and then people like get mad it's like you're doing a Jays show but you're wearing a Dodgers hat I'm like I'm not in a Jays jersey I'm not on the team I'm just wearing a hat this is the problem it's like hats are just nice for their colors yeah. but and I, their I feel like it's out now I feel like if I wear a Dodgers hat this year people will be mad my problem was I just got a I got like an Ichiro Seattle throwback last summer just before the Jays blew it in the wild card series mm-hmm. and I've had to put that on ice I can't be rolling what? around Toronto. I can't roll around Toronto in a yes, Seattle jersey. I think you're fine now. I think I'm fine now, yeah. but for the last, like right after the series, I couldn't be rolling around, even if it was Move a throwback. This man. You know what I mean? Though? So, I think this is cultural, by the way. So can I show up? Because I do have a Yankees hat. Can I show up in a Yankees hat on this program? Like, I think so. Is that I think okay? Also, can, can you, can, can you me, tell though. me when you show up in a Dodgers so then we can both take some heat so together? I, I, yeah, I, we will plan it. Okay. I don't, Tomorrow? Yeah. I think weirdly, even though the Yankees are in the Blue Jays division, the mm. Yankees haven't been super successful the last little bit. So like, yeah. you can get away with it a little I bit. I got to check the standings more. to see what I could wear. Like, I don't know. I'm just bit. talking about what people's reaction would be. Yo, I, like, re- I reunited with my grade eight home room teacher like four years ago like got 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 her contact had a really great conversation with her posted this like real heartfelt post on twitter mm-hmm. about connecting with her because she inspired me to write and all this stuff that's beautiful but i was wearing a yankees hat so all the comments were like yo you a traitor <laughs> all right. no but that's how serious it is though that's uh, how serious it uh, is you wouldn't know because you don't put anything on your dome <laughs> <laughs> you stay out of this big head coffee yeah <laughs> that's right yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, how seven, did your mom, seven more minutes and Michael Grange comes in. How did your mom and we enjoy the big head coffee? Um, she uh, sniffed it. Okay. <laughs> it was good. Sweet. She hasn't tried it yet. All right. Does I, she have coffee stuff at home? Like, yeah, yeah, she yeah. Have yeah. A meat, I, I, like yeah, grinder. She does. She does. I think okay, she right. thinks she looks at it as more like a souvenir type because it's got your like okay. branding on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she just wanted to own it as like oh, part of the wow. show. Yeah, like I don't know how many bags were in that box that propeller yeah. like sent us. Yeah. yeah. So Shows only Jacob six of those exist. Oh, that's right. For now. Tell your mom it's dead stock. Jacob, actually, can I, not dead stock. Jacob, can, can I? Can we get more? Let's figure this out. Let's let's I'm let's join. Do you need all any the banter? <laughs> do you do you Jacob, do you need any parts from a 2001 Honda Civic? Can I interest Do, do you need any Dodgers or Yankees hats we can't <laughs> do, wear Can anymore? I interest you in four winter tires, lightly used? Oh, yeah. man. Lightly used? You've had this car for 25 <laughs> winters, and the no, tires are lightly the used? The car is actually immaculate. That's the thing. There's, It's like no it's, usage at all in this car. It's the immaculate grid. I guess, though, like, because you... <laughs> You lived in New York for a bit and have lived downtown, downtown, right? So you yes. probably don't put much on that car. The only thing no, he does is he no, drives it to Markham to see his parents on weekends. Yes, that's it. And, that's and, and to see my nephews, I see my nephews in North. Yeah. If I had yeah. one, was I would drive to Cambridge and Drumbo to see my right. nephews. And so I'm debating, um, I'm debating like, yeah, I'm probably just going to get a new car. Never mind. I was going to say I was going to use wow. Zipcar downtown or whatever, but yeah. 
Wow. That's like taking the Duffer and bus. Look, we'll just say this. There, there are some... <laughs> Catch my man in a caminado. <laughs> there are what? some car Scott, sales what? companies out there that should hit Alex up. There's I'm, a, I'm a free agent. Yeah. yeah. My budget's 300 bucks a month on at least. There you go. Uh, I think you guys should make that happen. All right. All right. Raptors lost on Friday. Uh, it was really, really bad. I, I almost was, thought was, we were going to make it through the first segment. I feel segment. like we got to talk like five minutes of Raptors in the first segment. This is right? like a silent <sighs> protest, really. Yeah. We're just protesting. The fact that they lost to the uh, Hornets. Raptors embarrassed themselves in Charlotte. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, guys. Nobody um, <laughs> wants this. Okay, they, I've already given my thoughts on this. I've already ripped so everybody. I. I, I, I wrote about it. <laughs> I listen me? to your... I, I don't usually listen to your post-game podcast because I don't want to, uh-huh. like, know everything you're going to yeah, say yeah, before yeah, we come you. in and do the show the next day. But Friday or Saturday morning, I did yeah. listen it to it. It was a must. Must yeah. listen. Must it was listen. a must listen. And yeah. uh, I, feel- I, I don't know how I got a tweet today about, like, media hasn't been critical enough after what I wrote Friday and what you did on the podcast just, Friday. Yeah, to sum, up, to sum up what Will said on the podcast, it basically says just stop watching the Raptors. They're, <laughs> not, worth, they're not worth your time. Turn the um, game on when it's on a Sportsnet channel, yeah. and so so we get the ratings. Still, yes. but then walk well, away. Sportsnet has a else. lot of great NBA games on. I'm not even kidding. It's true. Yeah, so, it's yeah. true. There's, um, a, there's a couple good ones. Look, they got down 16 early to a Charlotte team that, without Lamelo mm-hmm. Ball, will probably once we have enough games without Lamelo Ball, yeah. be a bottom five team in the league. And the Raptors got down 16 right away. Yep. They were coming off a bad loss to Miami. Mm-hmm. They were coming off of these talking points about pizza parties, et cetera. Mm. And looking at an opponent that really, look, no game is a, should, there's not really must wins, but like vibes wise and let's prove something to ourselves wise, that game should have played out like the Detroit game when you really needed a win mm-hmm. and you needed to just stomp on a bad team that is overmatched by you. And instead they got down by 16 immediately. Terry Rozier is like like Mr. Crunch time against you. <laughs> yeah. And for some reason you go like the entire offense in the comeback yeah. was, hey, attack whoever Terry Rozier is yep. guarding. Get yep. Scotty switches onto Terry Rozier. Mm-hmm. And then they went away from it down the stretch. And then the last two possessions offensively, like first with 22 seconds left and two timeouts, they coming off of a dead ball, don't use a timeout, um, which like, okay, if you're not going to use a timeout, you better have something going. Maybe mm-hmm. you're going mm-hmm. for a quick two. So you want, and then said they chew up 14 seconds of clock. And then thankfully Scotty gets bailed out, fouled on, on his landing on the three point shot. And then the ATO down three at the buzzer was, Basically, the Gary Trent play that we saw a couple weeks ago. Cleveland? Against Cleveland? Yeah, and but it was Scotty, uh-huh, and then yeah. there was nothing to free him up. Like, whether someone okay, missed man. the ball, Darko, missed the read or Darko's whatever. Darko's just but a rookie coach, man. Give it was time. just pin Scotty in the corner and ask him to, or yeah. I guess the, the wing uh, corner, and ask him to hit a, a pull-up three. Also, I think his foot was on the line if it had dropped. The foot was on the line, so literally it would not have mattered. But I, I think my bigger gripe is with Darko. After a game like that. And I, I know people are like, well, look, the roster's the issue. Listen, we, we've talked about the roster issues for three years. We changed the head coach, but what is the new head coach coming in to do? And I was listening to, because they, you know, they, they canceled practice on Saturday or they didn't hold practice on Saturday. They're like, all right, boys, like, it is what it is. <laughs> let's, let's, break, let's come back on Sunday, all right? Okay, cool. They come back on Sunday. They go to practice. And, of course, afterwards, there is the, the media scrum with uh with darko now i I wasn't there for that for for my own you know sanity but uh i did hear it especially on the way to work today i just took a couple notes because he was obviously asked a lot about um the loss to the charlotte hornets he mentioned a couple of things number one he darko said that the raptors heavily contested 76 percent of charlotte's threes that will be a top five rate that's getting 10 percent uh participation in your on your report card okay all right all right 
He also said the Raptors basically beat them in every category except for making wide open threes. Okay, wins and lessons. Yeah, that's... uh, Wins and lessons. He also gave them credit. He said this group doesn't give up and credits the fact that they did take the lead by five in the fourth quarter. Is that moving you? I'm glad they didn't give up because I don't want to see what it's like when they actually give up. Honestly, that makes it worse because that means not only did they get into a 16-point hole, Mm -hmm. they dug their way out of it and then couldn't close out against the Hornets. Yep. Also, part of the reason why they couldn't close out against the Hornets, why did they put Yaka back in the game? They were running the pick and rolls with Scotty at center, getting the switches so Scotty can attack Rogier. That becomes a lot harder to do when you then put Yak in the game. But whatever. Let's just let's move beyond that, okay? More of what his press conference said. He also mentioned the fact that, look, I know Charlotte didn't have LaMelo, but two years ago, Charlotte was a top offensive team. Is, <laughs> is that moving you? Two years ago, Charlotte Hornets under a different coach. When they had LaMelo ball and, uh, hey, that was the year Jalen McDaniels was good. Remember that? Yes. Yes, I do remember that. Uh, <laughs> Does guy give Theo Melodone any credit, man? What's going he on? He also said, you know, this is not like why the Raptors lost, but he did mention at one point that Terry Rozier kicked his leg out to draw a three-point foul against Jakob. So they got to know how to play those scenarios better. Okay. okay. Uh, that's not really moving me either. And then one of my favorite things, he said, uh, you know, on defense, we got to... Every single time we're on defense, we got to have someone declare the ball. Basic basketball. Someone declare that they're covering the basket. Basic basketball. And then figure out where they're going to get to the weak side shooters. Basic communication. So basically, it's like if you and I were literally on our Tuesday run, we would be like, yo, I got the ball. And someone's like, I got your help. Yeah. This is the level of basic basketball that apparently they need to work on a little bit better. In transition defense, like that's... Like I have not played like a coached level of basketball. And like that is straightforward. Yeah, in I, transition defense, someone yells ball. Mm-hmm. If you're the next man back, ball. you fill to the paint. Yeah. And like, hey, if they kick it out to a wing shooter and someone else isn't back, whatever. But the paint is the 911. You put mm-hmm. the first fire out first. Ball, paint, yep. and then let everyone set up. And if you're ball. like, and this is supposed to be, I think we talked about this last week with their slide in transition defense. This is supposed to be part of being a switchy, everyone's the same size, everyone can guard everywhere team is. You're, that's supposed to make transition defense really easy because everyone except Yach can just grab whoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's supposed to be simplified. I can't believe, I can't believe, I'll let you go on Will, on this, but it's like, I can't believe we're here already. We, we did this last year again. Uh, last year, we reached a point where we're like, oh, this team has lost its identity. We don't know what they are on both ends of the floor. And uh, that's literally what I'm hearing right now. Mm. Well, uh, the last thing. Oh, boy. Dark also said, you know, if we don't make three shots in a row, we got to have enough pride to get three stops in a row. Okay. Three so, stops, three stops, and you get three stops in a row, and we get pizza then? Should yeah. we should we lower this to three yeah. stops in a row? You might get you might, you might get coffee. <laughs> they might for, pause for three the game. Wins, you get pizza for three like, three stops. You might get a coffee. Pizza dip. Yeah. It's a. Uh, Listen, I, I don't know. Listen, it, was I, not, it was not like why I listened I, to the press conference, and I'm like, wow. I, okay. I know we're giving I feel Dark, a lot better. I know we're giving Darko a hard time, and I think he could be criticized. As you know, what, when what you kind drop of in, when you drop a play to get a three, to yes. die, and you inbound the ball one meter to a guy who then takes a three with a foot on the line. Yeah. I'm sorry. What do you call that other than but, coaching? But this is a, this is the thing. We can independently criticize the coaching. Yeah. I still put it a lot on the players, but then I still put it on the front office. Again, mm. it's just equal blame on everybody. Yeah, look, I think the three-point shooting issues is maybe something you can point to the front office, right? Like the mm-hmm. roster construction mm-hmm. doesn't fit the style of play you want to play yeah. and certainly yep. doesn't fit, and we'll, we'll talk to Grange about this, what you would want to optimize around Barnes and Siakam. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then from the coaching perspective, yeah, they haven't executed even given those constraints. And then from the player perspective, you have a team full of guys who said in preseason, I'm a top five defender at this. I should be all defense at that. They're 21st in defense over the last month. Yeah. 
All right, so this is why we didn't talk Raptors Hornets for the majority of the first segment. No, let's get, let's get Michael Granger in here. Though. What people want to talk about is what potential moves may happen. So we're going to take this quick break. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. When we come back, let's talk about the roster with Michael Granger. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, William Lou. Continue to be joined by co-host Blake Murphy. And we are joined in studio by a friend of the program, Michael Grange, our Sportsnet teammate. Grange, around this time when we get you on the show, we're typically going to ask you things that will get you aggregated. So uh, <laughs> are you ready for that? Are you ready to get aggregated? Is it annoying to get aggregated? Not really. No. no? I mean, okay. it's, it's, right. it is what it is. It is what it is. It's yeah. part of the job. You're right. It's a casual flex. Um, yeah, so latest reports out there from Shams kind of reiterating what you have reported, what pretty much everyone kind of figures is that, like, you know, Pascal, OG are names to watch for on the trade market. Uh, seems like the Raptors are probably a little bit more partial to OG than, than Pascal. Uh, and then the list of teams for Pascal are like, you know, Sacramento, Indiana, Atlanta, Atlanta's probably had the most definitive talks. Is that sort of where we are with everything? <laughs> Um, it just feels like, you know, you're just kind of pressing rewind, you know. I feel like going back through my uh-huh. uh, my files and going, maybe I'll just tweak this one and update it and uh, paste it because, yeah, it's it's um, it's just a function of, of things carrying over from the trade deadline last year to from the summer this year to now leading up to the trade deadline as December 15th rolls around, things do kind of, Sort of heat up. I think I was talking to someone today. Said there, there could be some stuff happening early, kind of before Christmas, um, league wide, and then it'll probably, you know, again as always, kind of kicks over to like late January, early February. But um, you know, I, I think the one spin that is different, and the one thing you know, I can I've mentioned before, and and is the difference this time around is going to be. The Raptors, if they haven't already, and I suspect they maybe have, um, or very close to pick, if they haven't already picked a direction, picked a plan, mm. um, they are going into it uh, with one. So what last year was, I think in retrospect, what we all kind of saw was them just kind of, let's just see what's out there. You know, we don't know if we want to sell our house. We don't know what neighborhood we want to buy a house in, but we're going to, engage some agents and and kind of go shopping around. So okay. But we're going to put a non-refundable deposit of a first-round pick down just to see and pick up Jakob Pertl, just just so we could tour the house and see what it might feel like. Uh, the um, And so, yikes. you know, whereas I, th- I think this time around it'll be but – uh, but, I mean, Blake, I don't think that was in contradiction to where they were at. I think that was the net outcome, the net sum of all that – if you want to call it research or market research, was like, you know, this is our best path with where we are now. Uh, it might not be contradictory. I mean, I disagreed with it at the time. And, no, no, no. And, I'm not saying agree, yeah. disagree. My point is, yeah, for sure. you know, I, how they arrived at that place was, I think, consistent with their method, which was, you know, we're going to see what's the best opportunity out of this whole um, process. And I think this time around, um, they'll, it'll be reversed. It's like, I think they'll want a particular outcome and will work towards that particular outcome. 
and uh, you know, and so I think it'd be a much more streamlined process. That's my sense. So um, you you use the term in your piece on Thursday, familiar crossroads, and it's like you come to a fork in the road and you stress about the decision, but you don't realize you're actually on a figure eight track, and no matter which way you pick, you end up at the same spot again. Um, that's kind of what it feels like here, um, and, and I guess. Great. We could talk about some of what's ailing this team. You, you had a really good piece today about the three-point shooting issues and how that kind of magnifies, you know, maybe the personnel doesn't yet fit the the strategy they're playing with. Um, you mentioned December 15th. For anyone who doesn't know, December 15th is the date that a lot of players who are not trade eligible yet become trade eligible. January 15th, everyone else becomes trade eligible. Uh, and somewhere in between there is the G League showcase where every GM in the league will be there kind of doing an unofficial GM's meeting. Grange, do you think anything can happen from where they are right now at 9 and 13, feeling the way they do, performing the way they are, and February 8th where your read or your outlook on the situation would be fundamentally different at all? No. I mean, I think if you don't know that this team isn't all that good now, I don't know what you're looking at. And, and like, that's been fairness to Darko and fairness to everything he's tried to do. And, you know, you look at the results. You know, we've talked about three-point shooting. You and I have lost little bit but um you know they had great process against charlotte great process sure. oh yeah, <laughs> yeah but but Darker they were, was very upbeat about the process but they were six yeah. and 32 you yeah know, uh, they got that, down 16 to a team that without Lamelo ball would probably win 15 games awesome process but blake and, and but the hornets were a top offensive team two years ago <laughs> but you know Darker but they they that. you know it's crazy like there's only been two teams to shoot that badly um this year, there's only been six games, I think, mm. where te- a team has shot as badly as six or 32 or worse, and the Raptors have two of them nice. in the last three games. You know nice. what I mean? So, so I think, you know, and I think going back to last year, like it's, you know, you can talk about process all you want. They're just, they are one of the teams that is most commonly going to have terrible shooting games. And that's, you know, so any way you want to cut it. And I think, so if, if internally they're still waiting to, you know, how is this going to work out? Or what if this just happens? Or what if we tweak this? I'd be stunned. I, I would be stunned. stunned. I, I just think that they see the same thing we st- we see. And I think the real question is, is what is the best way to kind of uh, get better the soonest or the most efficiently? Or, or And, you know, that's probably the debate that's going on now. What's interesting is um, looking at Shams's piece and even just um, – looking at the front office and sort of the way they moved, I think they actually do believe in Scotty Pascal OG. It's just a matter of who are you flanking around that? And it's a little awkward because it's like Dennis has been brought in here. Um, Jakob has been brought in here. Those are the most significant acquisitions that they made. And I don't really think either of them are great fits with those three guys if you want to move forward. So it's strange because they get to a situation where now you have to maybe potentially move one of your core pieces who you really do like and adore because your other pieces aren't actually fitting around them. And this is where, you know, if we're, Grange, if we're giving them the grace of like, yep, they were figuring it out and, you know, they were going down this path and making the decisions that made sense to them at the time. Um, If you gave me those three guys, that trio of forwards on paper, and I don't know, you didn't know their names, but you knew their skill sets and could see the numbers and their play and things like that, you would think, well, what is going to optimize these three guys if we believe in these three as a core what works around them mm-hmm. and i know that you can't just go out in free agency and get the exact skill set and exact player you want but they did spend a first round pick and a four-year 78 million dollar contract on a guy who exacerbates spacing issues even yeah. though he helps a lot in some of those 
lineups where Pascal or Scotty are on the bench. You need a pick and roll partner, but that hurts. And, and then you get a point guard who, you know, if he's in a in a bench role or even like a super bench role, where he's still playing 28 minutes a game like that can make some sense. That trio has played 11 minutes this year without Yak and Dennis. They have not even gotten a chance to see what would that trio look like with spacing, with shooters around them, mm. with even like, let's say a rangier center in Precious who has had not a great year, but uh, uh, let's get a different look. Let's see Gary with that trio more instead of Gary coming in for Scotty when Scotty steps out. We, they just haven't taken a look at it. And I think that's probably my biggest frustration of the season is if you wanted to give it a little bit more time and evaluate it and find out what that trio can be, they have then kind of handcuffed what that trio can do based on who they brought in and what the lineups around them have looked like. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, because, you know, when they, as we all know, when they made the trade for Jakob, I think they were probably expecting to be able to keep Fred. So, sure, um, Jakob, you know, he's not the, you know, a, a stretch five that maybe would fit with those talents you're talking about. But uh, you had a point guard who was a good floor spreader. So, okay, you know, that you know we're, we're getting closer yeah, and a natural thing. pick and roll partner right. for Jakob. Um, but but yeah, I think that's where um, you know whatever we want to say about how Fred ended up leaving and why he wasn't traded and all those kinds of things has been hashed over a lot. Um, that line of thinking of you know adding Jakob, I mean clearly, I think they thought he would be a, it made more sense with Fred or a point guard who really can shoot. Um, and so, yeah, no, they're, to your point, Will, I mean, um, this front office has a ton of equity, as they should have a ton of equity. And we can, you know, kind of go back, you know, we're, what, 10 years after that Rudy Gay <laughs> trade, everyone knows. And you can kind of work through all the decisions that were made, some lucky, some, you know, some I think really showed a lot of true foresight. Um, but the last three years haven't been good. Like, there's just been yeah. not many wins. And, you know, and I think to be a really good NBA team, like you either have to have sort of elite talent, guys who just lift games, quarters, programs, whatever you want to call it, surrounded by enough guys who don't screw it up. <laughs> or, or, you know, the other way to do it is, is be really good and really deep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're probably a bit of a ceiling on those teams in terms of winning at the end. But, you, you know, we've seen it. You can have really sure. good regular season. This team has neither. And the path to... So solving either of those uh, problems it just isn't evident. Like, uh, like that's what's, I think, frustrating is um, even if you are, or let's presume they are going to go down this path, um, I'd be surprised they trade both Pascal and OG. I think if they were going to trade one, I think it makes Pascal. Pascal's the one that makes sense for all kinds of reasons. Um, but, you know, what exactly are you getting and where does it take you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, in terms of you kind of go through all these kind of fake trades and you're like, does any of the, how many of them really move the needle? How many of them really affect you in terms of either the draft capital you're going to get or the on-floor production you're going to get replacing a really good player who you kind of was kind of born and raised in the organization? And I think that's, you know, that's what we're all waiting to see is, is, is I do think that they're kind of in a, I don't want to say, you know, they kind of paint themselves in a corner a little bit. Yeah. And it's going to take uh, more than one move and maybe more than one chunk of time to to get back to kind of even, I guess. Even in a potential Pascal trade, for example, um, first off, you'd be giving up your best score. And obviously someone you've developed and, and grown. Someone who's willing to re-sign in Toronto, too. But 
if you do decide to move off of him because you don't think it's a great fit, ideally you're looking to get some guards back, maybe three or four guards, maybe even three or four prospects. Maybe they don't all be guards, but to fill out your rotation because it feels like the end of the bench is still very, very shaky to So it's like you want to not only balance out your roster, uh, but you also want to restock the depth of your roster. And, of course, if you're trading away an all-star, are you getting back anybody that has a strong chance of becoming an all-star? Is there any guarantee that they're going to be a good starter for a good winning team in the future? And I don't know, Grinch, if, if you've heard some names or if you've seen some of the names that have been tossed out there, are, the, are any of those guys standing out to you from Indiana, from Atlanta? Like, like I, that, I know this guy's going to be a starter long term. I know this guy's going to be an all star long term. I mean, not really, right? Like, okay. I mean, you look at you look at Atlanta and like DeAndre Hunter keeps getting mentioned all the time. Okay, and yeah. Nice player, probably a starter on a good team. Can he stay healthy? Blah blah blah. But nobody's at this point. Nobody's thinking DeAndre Hunter is on his path to like he's an unrealized star. Yeah, you know, right, and right. you know, and so you look at Atlanta. So is uh, you know we've heard all these names: Hunter, Buffkin. Could be an interesting player. Like a few years ago, yeah. no one was all excited about Tyrese Maxey. You know, uh, not that I don't think he was ever <laughs> available, honestly. But yeah, please but, tell you me know, there are it. these guys who, who you know, we don't know. Uh, we'll see. They seem to like him in the draft process. Yeah. Uh, AJ Griffin is an interesting young player, not in the rotation. Obviously, the Raptors would have all kinds of insight there, more than probably anyone else in the league, mm -hmm. just yeah. because of his dad. So that's a little bit, you know, maybe. Then you flip it to Indiana. And again, like I think, you know, I'm sure Andrew, they would love to give Andrew Nemhard in that in, in that deal. I think Andrew Nemhard's going to be a really good player. Yep. But I don't I think, think he's a starting point guard in the league eventually. And he's always blocked maybe. because. Like he, I wouldn't even go that far. Like maybe he'll be a starting point guard. He's a good player. Okay. Let's not right, get fine. too crazy. Like he's, you know, um, that's no disrespect. Like if you're, uh, you know, I think he's going to be in the league for a long time. We can, that's a big deal. Uh, ben Matherin. Mm. I mean, you can see upside there. Yeah. Interesting player. But, I mean, if he's a guy, if you told me three years ago he was kind of some version of what he is now, I wouldn't be all that shocked either, right? Like, there's holes in that game. He's not a surefire thing. Yeah. Um, but, you, yeah, so you take those two and then whatever it takes to make the money work and maybe you get a draft pick. Aaron Neesmith maybe, sure. but they need, he's their only capable defender, so yeah. you, they got to be careful there. But, but, I mean, you know, I think what you're all getting at and what we all agree on is is what that does, you get you a little bit younger, get you a little deeper, uh, get you a little more cost certainty. Uh, maybe it's a step in a process, and, you know, that's how we're going to have to go here. It's going to be, um, you know, not necessarily a almost like kind of a lateral move in order yeah, to yeah. kind of accumulate assets over time. And um, and I've said this all along, you know, like is I've, to anyone who would listen to me <laughs> is, you know, this team feels asset poor. Yes. And yeah. the, I – Keep saying if you go back to um, those the the way kind of we arrived at that championship we the Raptors arrived at this championship season and, and beyond they were asset rich they had lots of really really good players I always say like that team that won fifty nine games Norm Powell was a hundred million dollar player who was the sixth man on a team that hopes to win an NBA title is was the eleventh guy he couldn't play that's how good your team was and. Um, you know, and you look at, you know, and, and that this team, this version is so far from that. Um, and, you know, and I think, and, you know, I heard you guys talking off the top about Shohei and Star, you know, Stars being in Toronto and, you know, we've seen it ad nauseum with the Raptors and stuff like that. I think it's important uh, as an organization to really understand 
exactly what your market is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, I used to do some baseball. I would talk to Alex Anthopoulos and, and, you know, he would say like, we're kind of, our vision is to be like the Tampa Bay Rays in terms of process, uh, vision, uh, discipline, commitment, but with money. And I think if you're properly evaluating and it's no disrespect to the city, you know, we all love and, and has, we all know how great it is, but you have to understand where you are in the broader mm -hmm. yeah. concept. And, and people aren't choosing Memphis over Toronto. <laughs> you know, people yeah. aren't really choosing, you know, no disrespect to Memphis. It, but, you know, there's probably eight or nine or ten markets that most NBA players would clearly choose first, regardless of they're from, where they're from. And so create an advantage for yourself. And to me, uh, with this organization, it probably speaks truly of the Jays as well, is become asset rich. Yeah. And then when you're asset rich, when you have a lot of young players, when you have surplus picks, when you're developing players from kind of unexpected corners, then, you know, you can go and sort of make your moves. And, and But right now they're not asset rich. And I would love to know if either you guys see a path from becoming asset rich. I mean, there's still an OKC deficit. Well, that's basic OKC is what you're describing. Become OKC. OKC o can now... OKC with money and a real market. Yeah. And, and and what would that look like? What would that feel like? And I think, to me then, if you're going to move Pascal, why not move OG as well? At least see what the opportunities are out there. Because as you mentioned, even one move with Pascal is probably not going to replenish the whole group, the whole system, all the picks that you need moving forward. As you mentioned, like they're, they're pick deficient too. Why not just go in the whole, the whole way? Because to me, it's like, look, a year from now, two years from now, if you want to move OG making $40 million, I, can you get more for him then? than you can right now at this current value. I guess my concern with that is that OG fits a timeline where Scotty is really good in the next little bit. And if you if you want to tear it down to the studs like that and replenish the assets and get back to being asset rich, I would understand. I don't think this front office, I mean, the, the evidence we've seen over their decade in charge, I don't know that they have the stomach for a longer term one. And I would be worried that if you go all the way down to the studs. You move someone like OG who fits Scotty's timeline, and then a year and a half in, two years in, they're a little impatient. You're looking for a guy like that, and, you know, the assets you're getting back, realistically, you know, maybe one of them turns into that, but draft picks are are flyers, and, yes, you can get a Tyrese Halliburton in a sell trade. You can get a Shea Gilgis-Alexander in a sell trade, but you have to identify those guys before they're Tyrese oh, yeah. and Shea, and yeah. the evidence over the last couple of years, at least, is... You know, look, these things are, are random and they're difficult, so maybe it's just been a cold stretch. But it does seem like on the identification and development side, they lost the fastball a little bit this last little bit. So, you know, are in an OG deal, are you identifying the right depth pieces? Because, mm -hmm. you know, the team is not, like being asset rich does not mean, hey, you've got three Malachi Flynn's and three Precious to Chewis, right? <laughs> the, no, it doesn't. Um, I think, you know, I think that's a real kind of, thing they have to wrestle with is by kind of pushing and we'll see what happens, right? Like we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or two months from now. Maybe we'll have a conversation Feb 10th. Or oh, we'll definitely have you. We're going to book you already. Actually, <laughs> yeah, Alex, right. get on that. But, but, you know, we'll look back and go, wow, there's some really inspired moves here and we didn't see them coming and, and kudos on them and we'll all look foolish. But, um, you know, I, I think one thing they do have to be concerned about and, and by pushing it out, this far is you've kind of, I don't want to say wasted, but, but you only have so long 
to grow with Scotty Barnes, right? And so Scotty's into his fourth year next year. And to Blake's point, if you want to turn around and really go aggressive in terms of real, all of a sudden Scotty's standing around going, uh, wait a second, I was in the playoffs two years ago. Um, I was in the play on, playing game the year before. And what, we won 17 games this year? Uh, am I really in for that? Um, that's something they would need to really have a handle on. And mind you, they would still control his rights. Like, you know, they'd get, they'd, it wouldn't be like they'd lose the player, mm-hmm. but like literally, but would you lose the player in terms of his willingness to put up, put up with a step back, you know? Well, look, all this is presuming that they actually get something good. Like, <laughs> you know, there was the Chris Maddox report. It was like, could they get Tyler here on two first? Can I have a conversation about that at least. You know, like you was, obviously there's a huge difference between what they can do defensively, but there's also a huge sense of what they do offensively. I mean, like I watched the game, like what, what happened against the Hornets and like Hochi was 0 for 6 from 3. He's averaging less than 15 points on the season. We're waiting for this offensive jump to happen. Meanwhile, there's 40 million waiting at the end of the season. Like, I wrote about me, that last week. <laughs> yeah. To me, I'm just like, you know, this is a, it's, it's a little much, but you know what? We can tear down the roster another day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have lots of conversations along this type of uh, storyline. So, Grange, we appreciate you for coming in. Always. We're going to take a quick break. Been your host, Will Loon. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. When we come back, let's talk Knicks. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Blue. Continue to be joined by co-host Blake Murphy. We're working to get friend of the program, Fred Katz of The Athletic, uh, on the line to talk about the New York Knicks. Um, another thing we got to follow up on is the Raptors getting sued. Blake, yeah. Give me, give me give me two positive storylines from this year so far. About the Raptors? Yeah. Uh, and just, and just, you're you're teeing me up for that by talking about them getting sued. Well, I was just thinking because I was like, okay, so they they got sued. They didn't really make any moves. Okay, number season. one storyline They now have synergy access because they just downloaded it all internally. No, obviously the big one is Scotty Barnes has taken a, a real yes, step forward at both ends of the floor. Two. That's why that's I great. Two. Um, yeah, that's that's the big one. What's the other one? Um, I don't know. Like, is there yeah, a that's se- tough, like? Man. Like, there have been, like, look, Pascal's been good, OG's been good, but we we did yeah. player grades last week, and, like, yeah. everyone's kind of been what we what we knew they were, and then on the bench side, it's been, you know, like, Boucher's played to what we know he can when he's got opportunities, and everyone else has kind of been underwhelming. Grady Dick's down with the 905 and not yeah. playing particularly well still. It's not a great environment for someone with mm. that skill set, but he still has not played or shot particularly well. So this is, uh, I don't know if there's a, a second positive storyline honestly that's the thing that's why it's tough because you know if i asked you to name like a couple of the the unfortunate storylines you'd be like well you know um for example the, apparently we just turned out having a WNBA team you know that was earlier this year uh we got sued by the knicks and whether or not it's a petty lawsuit you know at the end of the day like it well, there was still some like improper activity going on it, whether it's yeah, like it was on a mess. Pe- it was messy, exactly, right? Um, the 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 product on the court, you know, we just discussed it. Uh, you know, the new coaching change. Can anyone tell me honestly that Darko is better tactically than Nick Nurse? No. no. He's a better people person than Nick Nurse, but that's not 
as much of a win when you look at some of the other things that have taken on. Uh, it's it's just um, yeah, it, it's it's just it's just a lot. I guess is my point. And sometimes I, I do feel conscious because we, we got to come in every day to do this show, and I'm like, I don't want to just do the same show. I don't want to be so negative on this show. You know, we know we can have really positive shows. We know we can feel really good about this team. That's what we yeah, all want. I would want. prefer to do that. But when you line it all up, like you just like just do a personal exercise, you know, while you're listening right now, just like whip out a piece of paper, just draw a little T-chart and just be like pros and cons of Raptors this season. Good storylines, bad storylines. <laughs> there's a lot of bad ones, man. I'm just saying the pizza party. <laughs> the pizza party is going to be an all-timer. I'm just telling you now. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, look, that's it's. <laughs> unfortunate how uh how that one came out and is being yeah. interpreted by us uh you know how, and everyone else it just it doesn't sound like something yeah. a professional basketball team that i mean told us that they thought they could win you know be in above 500 teams um yeah that's not the right messaging right like that is uh moral victories is for minor league coaches and that's um Damn. Like if Eric Curry was doing that with the one and eleven nine oh five, I would understand oh, it a little bit. Man. Yeah, they could actually they would really value. By the way, actually what, before we get Fred, there was one piece of Raptors news over the weekend. Yes. It's not in the positive thing, but for anyone who didn't catch it, mm. um the Raptors waived Ron Harper Jr. on Friday yeah. uh, from his two way contract because he's out for the year with a shoulder injury. They paid out his whole two way deal, not That's just nice. the guaranteed That's part. That's nice. Move. They signed Jonte Porter into that spot. If you if you don't remember, Jonte Porter was on the draft radar in 2019 a little bit. He had missed uh, his entire sophomore season injured, decided to go into the draft anyway. Um, he was actually, when the Raptors picked at 59 and picked Juan Hernandez, I went back and found tweets. He was the top of my list still, mm. um, which was a, it was an okay list because there are a couple guys on there who are NBA guys, but I had Jonte Porter one spot ahead of Lou Dort, which is not a great uh, look in retrospect. Uh. Um, this is now, by the way, of the guys at 59, they considered this is now the fifth one they've had because they had Shamori Pons at one point. They had O'Shea. They had Terrence Davis. They drafted Dewan Hernandez and Jonte Porter. Now all five of those guys were in the mix for them at 59. So they're just, they're just getting a shot at all of them. Uh, we could talk more Jonte Porter after we uh, talk to our pal, Fred Katz. Yeah. Let's bring in Fred Katz uh, and, and of the athletic uh, Fred, how are you doing, man? I'm wonderful. I'm just thrilled that there's so much coverage of a fellow Mizzou alum out there like Jonte Porter. Yeah, tear up the oh, league. Wow. Yeah, wow. good for you, Mizzou guys. Um, you did not get a law degree at Mizzou, though. You got a broadcast journalism degree, if I remember correctly. Uh, how are you doing dabbling in the legal realm with this Raptors-Knicks nonsense, which we should get some sort of leaked update today or later this week because the Raptors had to counterfile by today uh, on that nonsensical lawsuit. Uh, how am I doing? It's part of journalism, right? Part of being a reporter is knowing how to cover things that aren't just pick and rolls. <laughs> it's knowing how to how to you know when you when you're in journalism school, you learn how to cover all different kinds of 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 stuff that could end up in the public and lawsuits are most certainly one of them. Especially uh, you know when you're covering uh, the New York Knicks, where there are lawsuits to cover all the time. So I'm uh, I'm right in my comfort zone. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's that part of it is good. Um, I feel a little bad that this takes a part of your, you know, your work days and your work weeks. Um, I, I know you and Mike Vorkanov have kind of written about this and teamed up on it a little bit here and there. Um, do you, our, our read on it internally is maybe colored by what Masai and Darko have said and our general impressions of the Knicks on the New York side of this. 
have you got the sense that this is any more than like a Dolan frivolous lawsuit? Like, is there more meat than maybe we're half seriously giving to it? Well, what the Knicks are saying, or at least what the Knicks are saying in their lawsuit and what MSG is saying in its lawsuit is that this violated actual federal computer laws in 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 the U.S. And, and what it almost seems like is that they are hoping that criminal charges are going to come along with this. And it's not just going to be a civil lawsuit. I don't know if that's what ends up happening. I don't know how far this ends up going. Uh, I will say I think a lot of people wrote this off as just like, OK, there will be some sort of settlement early and this is not going to go into discovery. It's not going to actually go to actual civil trial or anything like that. I'm not thinking that way. I think it is totally within the realm of possibilities. This goes to discovery, totally within the realm of possibilities that this thing gets seen through because the Knicks continue to push that. Or I should say MSG and its lawyers continue to push that they want to see this thing through. So I, I, I don't know how it's going to go. I, I don't. I think we're going to be able to get a better read of that if and when this thing gets to discovery and we get to see this evidence. But the Knicks are levying a lot of claims, some of which they say they have evidence for, others of which they present no evidence for, and they believe they will uncover evidence for at discovery. So like I said, when we get to discovery, we'll see exactly how this goes, and then maybe I can give you a better answer on that. But quite honestly, I, I have no idea right now. What I will say is that people around the league are like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> like the general reaction to this is what in the world is happening with this? People take their own work with them all the time mm -hmm. when they go to other other teams, especially stuff from Synergy, which is just like a shared database around the league. Yeah, I've kind of explained to our audience what you can do with Synergy versus what teams actually have. Uh, Fred, before we pivot to the actual basketball here, though, I do have to ask, let's say this goes past discovery. Let's say there's a, there's a court case and the Raptors are on one side and Garrett Temple is using his, his LSAT score to, uh, to litigate for the Raptors. The Knicks are over on the other side. I assume Charles Oakley's the bailiff at this point, um, since he played for both teams, you know, can be neutral. Uh, what no, is conflict of interest? Yeah. Dolan kicked him out of MSG. Okay. But Dolan Huge has a conflict, conflict of, of interest. interest with every single person is the, uh, the issue. What, what is like the funniest, silliest, goofiest thing that could happen if this thing extends on it in your estimation? If Leon Rose gets deposed and has <laughs> to give his first ever solo availability since becoming president of the Knicks, yeah. wow. I, all, all, all I'm doing is going to the other council and being like, can you ask him what the rationale of the Evan Fournier contract was? Like, he's got to answer stuff. Mm. Like, let's get all of our questions in that we <laughs> wanted to ask for the last three and a half years. Those in New York know that the Knicks front office has not done a solo like media availability since Liam Rose took over in April of 2020. So, so just, just using that to get a media availability, I think <laughs> would be uh, maybe the way to go about it. That's actually wild, man. How do they get away with that? Isn't there, are there not rules around when executives have to talk? Oh, trust me. These are conversations I've had. Uh, uh -huh. No, there are no, there are no really? rules. For executives and how often they have to speak this is a great answer because now I, i'm imagining it getting to that point and like one of you guys like i joked about garrett temple do taking his lsats and he can uh litigate for the raptors like someone on the knicks beat there there are a handful of us in basketball media who have gone the law school route or, or dabbled with it or whatever like get a media member in there to be part of the the deposition team and yeah 
grill them about, hey, we need to know this is for the Azatam case. This is for the Synergy case. Evan Fournier, man, what's the deal? Well, one of the things is like in that, in certain stages of this, I'm not going to overcomplicate this, but I have spoken to lawyers and at least in my research to be able to say this. In certain stages of this, you could throw people on the stand and you can ask them whatever you want. This is not like somebody needs to, you don't need to prove that it's relevant to the case <laughs> in order to ask certain questions. So you can depose James Dolan and just ask him all the stuff that you've wanted to know about what's going on in MSG behind closed doors. So the Bargnani trade, what, what were you, what were you thinking with this Bargnani well, forget trade? Forget about that. You can ask him about a Nuka Brown Sanders, you know, like you could ask him about uh, a lot of things that have gone on behind closed doors. Uh, and, and that quite honestly is, is something that will be very fascinating to follow who gets deposed, what do they get asked, uh, and how do the, the lawyers representing MLSE and the Raptors and all of those defendants over there, how do those lawyers handle the people who end up getting deposed if, if, if it gets to that stage, of course. Okay. Let's pivot over to basketball. Let's talk about what's happening on the court, not what's happening in the courts. Um, <laughs> Raptors play the Knicks last week. Knicks looked really, really awesome, I got to say. The Knicks bench came in. Josh Hart had a huge impact. Dante DiVincenzo hit like seven threes, I think. He, he won. He won. He really went off. Yeah, and more than the Raptors hit like all of the last week. You know, we're not kidding because uh, the Raptors actually only hit six against the Hornets and, and the loss of the Hornets. Uh, anyway, so... Yeah, I guess my impression is just like, are the Knicks like legit? Are they for real? Like, what's going on? Because if the Knicks play like that against you know other teams, I I think this is they might be heading for like a fifty win season type of thing. They played that well when they came to Toronto. So, where's your assessment at at how good this current Knicks team is? Yeah, they played great in that game. That was one of the best performances they've had all year. I think uh, on top of the fact that it was on the road, it, it was also the second night of a back to back for them, right. and they did not play well on that first night of the back-to-back. They barely beat Detroit, and they should have won that game by a lot more. And the vibes coming out of that game were like, man, that was like as bad. You know how you know how you hear about moral victories after losses all the time? I mean, that really felt like a moral loss mm. after a win, that Detroit game. And they came out the next night, and they just executed so well. You know, this is a bad day for Knicks fans and for the Knicks because the the team just announced only a few hours ago that Mitchell Robinson right. is going to be out at least eight to ten weeks and is undergoing ankle surgery. And that is huge for them because he was really good in that game mm -hmm. and he is their most important defender. He's the anchor of their defense. He is having unquestionably the best season of his career. He's been fantastic defensively. I think he should be in the conversation for all defense. If not... Like if I went through and I made my all defense teams right now, I think I'd I'd almost certainly have to put him on there. Something that's a lot easier to do now that all defense is positionless and you don't have to put only two centers, and you can just kind of load it up with centers. He's he's really been that good this year. He's been one of the best big men in passing lanes in the league. He's been disciplined. He's been closing out on guys on the perimeter. He's been a fantastic pick and roll defender, and he's having by far the best offensive rebounding season of his of his career and the best offensive rebounding season in the NBA this year. He's been huge for them. The offensive rebounding is huge for them because they're an above-average offense in part because they just win the possession game. 
They don't make a lot of shots. They have somehow found a way to be a really good offense without making a lot of shots, which seems like it makes no sense. But the reason why is because they don't turn the ball over and they get a ton of offensive rebounds. So come the end of the game, they've taken like 12 more shots than you, which often ends up being the difference in the game. And not having Mitchell Robinson is going to eat into that a ton because he is so much, even on the offensive rebounds, he doesn't get. He is so much a ginormous part of them winning that possession game. Uh, It's going to be tough. Hartenstein is one of the best backup centers in the league, but that's obviously a really tough loss for them. And then Jericho Sims is going to have to slide into the rotation and, and we'll see. I'm very curious to see what kind of team they are without Mitchell Robinson before I start to wonder exactly how many wins they end up at. Yeah. The Robinson loss, it it sucks from a, uh, general basketball fan standpoint because this Knicks team has been uh you know uh, like an ugly fun watch they don't play you know it's not Pacers games but they are a borderline top 10 defense I, I think they're they're ninth coming into uh today and like you said they're they're number one on rebounding in rebounding at both ends of the floor and what you described Fred in terms of winning the possession battle Raptors fans know that well the Raptors set a league record last year for having more shooting possessions than their opponent and Knicks are first in the league right now um so that's uh, the Bulls are the only team like even really close and that's mostly because they just don't turn the ball over Knicks doing it with rebounding and with turnovers um and, and yeah Mitchell Robinson said, I mean, top 15, if you look at defensive estimated plus minus or, or choose your metric, uh, basically metric eye tests, box score stats. Mm-hmm. They all say Robinson's been huge. Now, like you said, those same things also say Hartenstein's been really good in a backup role. He's a guy that I've liked for a while back, back to, you know, his G League time. Do you think what he's done can scale to more minutes or, and you mentioned the Jericho Sims question, is there a possibility this means the Knicks you know, suck it up and go smaller a little bit more often. And maybe, you know, Julius Randle is kind of the de facto five at times. This is my guess, knowing Tibbs, I don't think we're going to see very much small ball, at least not as a first option. Maybe if they really struggle with Jericho Sims on the floor or Sims really, really struggles, or maybe if they're down... 14 points with five minutes left and they just need a run and they need a lot of offense. Maybe they go small with Julius Randall at the five, but Tibbs has been the coach of this team now for a long time and they almost never go with Julius Randall at the five. It's so incredibly rare. They haven't done it at all this season, like not at all. And the reason why is because their defense is built like many Tibbs defenses. Their defense is built from the paint out. And that is the way it works. And Randall is not a defensive anchor. As a matter of fact, of the nine regulars in their rotation, he's the only guy who I would say has like really been subpar defensively this year. Like I know people talk about Jalen Brunson's defensive deficiencies. I think those show more in the playoffs when you get a team that can kind of attack him throughout a series and understand how to deal with those weaknesses. But Brunson's deficiencies are more physical than they are intellectual or they are from an effort standpoint. He's actually drawn more offensive fouls than any other team, than any other player in the league this year. He's a good positional defender fights really hard. Like he's like fine. I I don't think his mere presence. What'd you call him a crash test dummy in an article the other week? Yes, he is a crash test dummy. He gets he gets annihilated for the sport of it. That's exactly what he does. Uh, he's especially he's, what they teach you about Villanova, kind of, actually, because yeah. this is exactly what Kyle used to. Yeah, do. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Kyle Lowry does. That's what that's what Josh Hart does. That's yep. what 
That's what Dante DiVincenzo does. That's what all the Knicks do because they're all Villanova alums. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think we see a lot of Randall. As for Hartenstein, I think he's been one of the five best backup centers in the league over the last two years since signing with the Knicks. He's been really good. He's a really wonderful passer. And I think there are certain things he's going to be able to bring out of the next first unit that Robinson can't do. Like you're not giving Mitchell Robinson the ball because he doesn't have the ball skills. He doesn't have the scoring skills. Hartenstein, wonderful passer. Uh, he is going to give them a little bit more spacing. No, he doesn't really shoot the three. He doesn't like to shoot the three and it's not part of his game even though he can occasionally hit one. But you have to guard him when he's away from the rim because he will slice you up as a passer. If you don't, or he'll just go straight at the rim and get a layup because he, he's he got a handle for somebody his size and he's a good passer and all those other sorts of things. He's very skilled. Defensively, he's been good. Good positional defender, good verticality guy. My big question for him is he can get himself in foul trouble, which is a trait that a lot of backup centers have. And I'm wondering how much of the foul trouble that he can get himself in is because he knows, okay, well, Mitch is going to play at least 25 minutes, maybe 30, which means I'm not getting more than 23. So I can go out there and I can use my six fouls as much as I want. And chances are I'm fine. Now when he might have to be the one getting, you know, 30 instead of the 17 that he's been averaging so far this year, is he going to be able to be more judicious with his fouls? And if he is more judicious with his fouls, does that take away at all from his defensive aggressiveness? That's helped him be a really, really reliable defender for them. Uh, I'm very curious to see how he weighs that starting tonight against Toronto. Uh, and he's a good player, but obviously his production has come mostly against backups. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that does when he's going up against, you know, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic and other top notch yeah centers and, and starters Jakob who, who all of a sudden the job's <laughs> a lot harder and Jakob Pertl all of a sudden who is an underrated player you know that the job the yeah. job becomes more difficult there you go um okay last question to get you out on um there's also this other piece with the Knicks because I feel like obviously they're succeeding right now it's unfortunate that, that Mitchell Robinson is injured um but overall the team is working and successful but it does feel like there is still a, maybe another big piece that they could add to this squad if they choose to do so. They do have extra picks. They do have, you know, like an R.J. Barrett that they can roll up into another trade or even Julius Randle or whoever you necessarily need to do this with, pretty much anyone except for Brunson. Um, I guess my question is, like, who who are they waiting on? Or is, like, who is, like, the ideal gettable guy that they can add into this squad and then truly bring to the next level, especially come playoff time? Well, I think they're waiting on two different types of guys. Okay. I think the first guy who everybody talks about them waiting on, oh, who's the MVP level player that they're going to trade for, the huge star. I don't think they expect that guy to become available during the season because it's pretty rare that okay. that type of player does become available during that, you know, the middle of the season. Like a like a mid-season Kevin Durant trade is pretty rare. That was kind of the mm -hmm. exception. And it doesn't really happen. So I think they expect whoever that next player is to become available in the summer at the soonest. I don't know who it's going to be. I think targeting out, this is definitely the guy who it's going to be kind of defeats the whole purpose of it. The point of the thing is that they are waiting on somebody who is a star and whoever is the star that becomes disgruntled or available or however you want to put it, they can then have the assets. They have all their own picks. They have four protected picks from other teams. They have some young guys who are good players. They can then jump in and make themselves part of the discussion for that guy. Maybe it's Donovan Mitchell, 
who is going to be up in 2025 with Cleveland. Maybe, you know, it's who knows about Joel Embiid. Right. They're doing great right now. Philly looks awesome. What happens if they lose in the first round of the playoffs? You know, like, no, you just, you never know. Yep. Somebody, somebody who's not on the tip of any of our tongues is going to become available within the next year, right? Like, that's just how, yeah, that's how the NBA is. works. You know, that's how Kevin Durant went down, you know? That's how James Harden went down like four times in a row. Somebody who's not at the tip of your tongues just becomes available seemingly overnight. Uh, I think the Knicks are waiting to bank on that. And then there's the other type of trade, which I think is more likely, which is before the upcoming deadline, where they do a trade that's kind of similar to what they did last year with Josh Hart, where they're in a position to where they have the Evan Fournier contract. It's mm-hmm. about a little over $18 million. You could send out Evan Fournier's salary, somebody else, bring back somebody who makes in the mid-20s, bring back, I don't know, maybe one of the million expiring players for the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> if 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 those two teams could make a trade, I have no idea if given like the lawsuit and everything, if those two teams could <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, down. there are no transactions happening between these two teams, man. Azeltan is the last yeah, one. Exa- yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like the Knicks are, Knicks are going to like cost themselves OG Ananobi because of Launder him through files. a third team. Do a two-part yeah. trade. Yeah, we'll give you OG if you drop the lawsuit kind of deal. No, we're not <laughs> going to do what, that. No, that. There you go. That's not going to happen. Circle back, guys. No, no, happen. no. But we're going to circle back. That is the funniest thing that could happen at trial. <laughs> yeah. If if we, if if, if, if a lawyer gets a up there and player. says we will settle, we will settle for Gary Trent. <laughs> you give us Gary Trent, you this thing will be settled. You know what? That could actually happen. All right, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you, man. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for joining us on the program, and um, I'm sure we'll call you again the next time the Raptors play the Knicks. Yes, thank you for having me, guys. There you go. Fred Katz, who, who's been, as you mentioned, doing great reporting around this lawsuit, too. And I think yeah. it is really important, as you mentioned. I was really happy you said that, because, like, obviously in our market right now, we're looking at it like it's more frivolous. But, like, if they're moving this far and they're they're going this far out, you know, this stuff costs resources. Yeah, it really does. Um, really Fred does. Katz, by the way, great reporting at The Athletic. And also just like the best name for a podcast, him and Ian Begley's podcast, the Cats and Shoot podcast. All right. Yeah. All right. You know what? Yeah, it's a I'm good off- one. I'm officially over podcasts that have a basketball terminology pun in it. It's a pretty good one, though. You know, like Dunker Spot? Like, I love the Dunker Spot pod. The Dunker Spot? Is that is that is that hidden? You know, the low post? You know, like, yeah. it's just... It's the whole, all of them are like this, is, is what I'm trying to say. Testing. Am I back? Okay. Yeah. yeah. What do you, you want run, to try? You do a show called The Raptor Show. Man. No, no, that's different. <laughs> but it's that, not a pun. That's okay, not a okay. pun. You have a problem with any, like, direct reference. It's like it's like the Brooklyn Nets being called the Nets. Like, it's a part of the game. Like, you know, anyway. Okay. That's, that's my only but, thing. By the way, we were talking Las Vegas uh, nicknames last week, if you guys remember. Yeah. Yeah. Someone on Twitter, sorry, I, I forgot the, the name, can't attribute it right now, but said, we forgot the Las Vegas Strip. Nah, you're not signing a free agent so and telling him to be, the hey, you're going to be the strippers. a strip. Yeah. <laughs> what, right. a stripper, a bad thing to say? No, no. No, it's just like saying, you're no. not going to have someone. That's too tough. Uh, it was LJ Shank on, yeah. on Twitter, by it the wouldn't way. Be, it wouldn't be a rip-through. It's a strip-through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. That seems like a uh, good point to pivot. It's yeah. time now for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Uh, we laid out the Mitchell Robinson Injury, he's out yeah. for eight to ten weeks. Isaiah Hartenstein is expected to start in his place. Jalen Brunson and Emmanuel Quickly are both questionable 
for the Knicks for this one. So those are big unknowns. Obviously, either of those guys being out is a big thing, but one of them would replace the other one mm-hmm. if uh, if yep. they were out. Jalen Brunson's sound, all the quotes from practice yesterday were that like Jalen Brunson is not worried about this ankle thing. Yeah. He's probably going to play Emmanuel quickly He's dealing with dude. the knee thing. Uh, so they're both questionable. On the Raptors side, Otto Porter Jr. is out. That's not expected to be serious, the the foot contusion he's dealing with. Apparently, he felt better yesterday. Imaging came back negative, um, but he's out for tonight. The Raptors are four-point underdogs, over-under set at 221. Uh, this is a really good... Nick's one of the few teams in basketball, top 10 on both ends of the floor, but Fred laid it out for us, man. I, how's this defense going to look going from 30 minutes of Mitchell Robinson and, and 18 to 20 of Hartenstein to you know 25 to 28 of Hartenstein and a question mark in Jericho Sims. It's going to be pretty important. I mean, uh, as every team in the NBA should know by now, if you can protect the paint against the Raptors, you have a pretty good chance at beating the Raptors because they will shoot six of 32 from three. And, you know, last game, even though I thought Pascal found ways to get going for uh, certain moments in the game, and I thought he had a pretty good game overall, um, if you are really able to guard the rim, and obviously Mitchell Robinson was able to do that, um, you know, you have a good chance. Now, Isaiah is going to come in, and he's going to be a big body. Uh, Jalen Brunson is going to step in for charges like he did uh, last time the Raptors played them. You know, I think he erased two and ones for the Raptors just with charges alone. That's huge momentum plays. There's other ways to protect the rim, even without their best shot blocker. You know, Tibbs is going to be a great, you know, defensive coach uh, no matter what. Um, but I think the bigger thing that's that's a question to me is like – I. Whatever. I mean, Jalen's questionable. Emmanuel quickly is questionable. The Raptors as a team is questionable. <laughs> Which team is going to show up? Oh, bars. Which team is going to show up? Mm. Because last time we did this, it was last Friday, we were talking, well, well the Raptors been the, the, the Hornets tonight. It's like, well, you better beat the Hornets. And then it didn't beat the Hornets. But here, here's the question. When is the last? Well, I guess the Suns game. But they've dropped five of their last six. The yeah. Suns game, they obviously showed up well and won that one. Yeah. But like the Knicks game, they didn't play nope. particularly well. The Heat game, they didn't play particularly well. The Hornets game, they didn't play particularly well. The Nets game, they played terribly before that Suns loss. They played Cleveland pretty tough the mm-hmm. first loss uh, of that stretch, and Cleveland's a decent team. But I would say, like, twice in this in this one-and-five stretch, you would say they played a good game of basketball. Yeah, <laughs> that is tough. So that's why I'm going with the Knicks. All right. When, when Will bails on the Raptors, you, you know it's looking tough. Listen, I'm not trying to lose people any money. I'm not trying to lose myself any credibility. Here's until the, I see the Raptors actually start to show up on a more consistent basis, until they stop falling down by 12, 15 points by the end of the first quarter, until they stop running only Dennis Yakupertle pick and rolls for the first quarter while Pascal and OG and, and, and Scotty just sit around. I'm sorry. Like, I, I can't in good conscience go with the Raptors. And here's the other thing is, like, we saw last year, and, like, we would make a joke about it a little bit here and there uh, about just how much the Raptors gamed the possession battle last year because, <laughs> hey, they weren't a good three-point shooting team. They weren't a good shooting team yes. overall, and their defense had some flaws. But if you got – they got 750 more shooting possessions than their opponents last year. So yeah. al- almost 10 a game. And you're looking at this year's team that isn't doing nearly as good a job of that because they're not emphasizing it to that extreme level, but they're not winning the possession battle, period, now. And you're going up against a team that does the best job of it. So you are the worst three-point shooting team and the second-worst free-throw shooting team in the league already, and you're going up against a team that is they're a big part of their strategy is we're also going to let you get fewer shots. Yeah. Could be a tough night for the offense. Anyway. Yeah, that was Between the Lines brought to you by <laughs> Bet Rivers. Uh, take a chance. Take a chance on the Knicks, everyone. Take a chance on the Knicks. Okay, we're going to take our last break of the day. You've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network.
most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Lou. For the final segment, uh, we're going to go around the NBA with uh, Alex Wong, who's tapping back in with myself and Blake Murphy. Alex, take it away. Why am I taking it away? Because you never read the rundown that we try to prepare for you, main host. <gasps> Can you do one segment, man? Is that Do I got a bet? Don't you know what the worst part of all is? I never learned to read. How does Derek have something? Derek, I want to hear that Adam Silver drop at least twice this segment because it always makes my day. I'm enjoying all the banter. banter. I'm enjoying all the banter. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds AI generated, man. There's I'm no enjoying... <laughs> All the banter. <laughs> All right, he filled his two quota already. I want 10 then. Um, uh, New York related to, I know you guys just had a great segment with uh, Freddie Meow, um, a.k.a. Freddie Katz. The new Kid Merrill and uh, Carmelo Anthony pod, 7 p.m. in Brooklyn. Yo, it's fire. Check that on the weekend. Yep. Really good. You got to um, listen to that one time speed, though. Here's the thing. Some podcasts you can really go yeah. 1.2, 1.5. I even know some people who listen two times speed that's, on podcasts. That's chipmunk. You're starting to sound like a chipmunk at two. Yeah, yeah everyone starts to sound like Iman at that point. <laughs> they sound Iman. like Twister, man. Which one? <laughs> exactly, right? But no, that one, you got to listen to one time speed. You got to enjoy just that, like. You know. Yeah. Great pod, though. Great pod. I don't yeah. know if you guys have checked it out. So oh, Very happy highly, for Merrill. Highly recommend it. Uh, Kid Merrill and, and Carmelo, you guys are obviously listening to this. C- come on the show. Talk about the new pot. Yo. I think we can get them. 100%. Uh, I think we can get Merrill 100%. For sure. Let's get Melo too. L- let me work on that. Yeah. Um, guys, we didn't even talk about the in-season tournament, man. Now, so, LA, got, we spent the whole first segment talking about another oh, big LA okay. win. We didn't need to talk about Congratulations one. once again to, uh, you know, the city of Los Angeles. Mm. They uh, took the NBA Cup, as I told you, the Lakers would. Um <laughs> you did tell me to bet on the Lakers. I said, I was put like, all I your don't... money on the Lakers. I, I had a Pacers future, and I was really? like, I had forgotten all about it until Saturday when I went to, like, bet on the game, and I was like, oh, I already have this. You know what, uh, you know what yeah. I knew Oops. they were going to win when LeBron called Adam Silver a genius for the in-season tournament, yeah. and it was done. Yeah. When has LeBron lost a must-win game, a must-win, well, like, game two, to someone not, like, a dynasty, like a Steph KD that's the thing that's so impressive because I think Brian Windhorst, of course, Brian Windhorst, but he was one who tracked it. It's like LeBron is like one like nine straight of these like must win like game seven winner take all scenario. And he like, only loses thing, he only loses the dynasty team. No, it's this, like it's like one thing if you got swept by the Warriors or whatever. Yes, even that's the Nuggets, different. Nuggets last year. Give yeah, yeah or the Nuggets, give right? them credit. But it's like, like his version of how Michael Jordan is six and zero in the NBA Finals. It's like yeah, Michael Jordan lost in earlier rounds. Yeah, yeah. he didn't win every the championship every season of his career. But once it got to that point, yeah. and yeah. like it had ramped up, and that gear switched in, is not. Nah. No, yeah. man, you could think about it. LeBron game sevens is wild. Like, you know what what he had against the Pacers, uh, the the must win games that he's had against uh, the Celtics to end that era, mm-hmm. the, the must win games that he had against obviously the Spurs twenty thirteen game six, game seven, winning both of those. Uh, obviously, twenty sixteen is like probably the most memorable playoff game I've ever seen in my life. Uh, oh yeah. Aside from the Raptors winning in 2019. Why did I just sound like the Kool-Aid man? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh, yeah. This is what he does. This is what he does. He literally has had like a whole like quarter, last quarter of his career and then circled back and like broke the Pacers' hearts again. Because he did it in 2018 and people don't talk about that first round series where LeBron literally single-handedly made sure they won in seven games. Yes. Because people, because people only remember the series that came after, which was LeBron, 
sweeping the Raptors, which was way more memorable. I still remember uh, an Eastern Conference final that was 2-2, and LeBron said, this is an adversity. That like, too. No, no, I, I'm ready for, like, game sevens. Like, I'm going to chase down Iguodala uh, a couple I weeks. I want before. Iguodala. <laughs> LeBron's like, you know, I actually... I kinda... want Iguodala. <laughs> LeBron was like, you know, I lost those two games so I can come back and see Drake a, a second time in Toronto. Toronto and May is very nice. But anyways, Anthony yeah. Davis, so, obviously incredible in that game. What, Blake, what were your takeaways watching that Yeah, game? I mean, Anthony Davis, a 40-20 in a game like that is like, this is the Anthony Davis we have all asked for for years, right? That he's flashed at times. And Anthony Davis who can take over offensively and defend at a, an all-defense level. I really do think, like, if the Lakers stay good, and some of this will just because Lakers buzz, but... Anthony Davis is having an all defense caliber season. And like, I would imagine get some love for defensive player of the year. Uh, if this continues on like that, yeah. obviously weirdly that game, the stats don't count. Like Anthony Davis technically does not have a 40, 20 game in his NBA career. Yeah, I, don't, um, I don't like that. I know it's the extra game. It's but you, the same with it. it the, in, <sighs> the play in tournament, those stats right. are just gone. The Raptors never shot 18 of 36 from the, the free throw line. These, like DR DeRozan just doesn't that, exist. That's why they shot 50% from free throws for the, this <laughs> like, entire season to make sure it's on the record um yeah so i mean i thought anthony davis was was great and like that's the kind of lebron co-star we thought we were getting when they first teamed up and, and we saw it in the bubble but in my mind we haven't seen that level of anthony davis regularly mm -hmm. enough during mm -hmm. this partnership and I, and I would love to see that and i know he had a good playoffs last year but but that level of anthony davis is something that you know you rewind five years we we thought that he was going to be you know maybe the best player on lebron's team and lebron Part of this was he could shift into a number two role. Now, that was true on Saturday. It's not true overall. But mm -hmm. this is the kind of Anthony Davis we, we've all thought was there and wanted to see from him more regularly. We, we all knew that AD could feast on the Pacers on the inside because we know the Pacers are, like, just really, really weak defensively on the interior, they right? They love giving up the paint. Yeah, they, they don't double team. We talked about Kalen Cooper. And then, the, like, later that afternoon, Pascal went on, dropped, like, 30-plus in that one as well. Just all exclusively paint points. Same kind of deal with AD here. What was interesting to me was how impressive the Lakers were defensively yeah. to shut down what the Pacers like to do. They obviously put length on the ball, but they really, really held Halliburton in check. They blitzed a lot of his pick and rolls. They, they, you know, and they just did a great job covering him. So their worst offensive performance of the season on a on a points per possession basis. Yeah, and this is the team that, you know, had their offense run pretty well against the Bucks. Had their offense run pretty well against the, the Celtics. Celtics. So. For the Lakers coming to do this, I, I was just genuinely impressed. Also, like a guy like Cam Reddish, again, like just they got him in for nothing. He comes mm -hmm. in, he's he closing games for them. He's playing really well on both ends of the floor. Like the whole roster really came in and did well, you know. And so, I <laughs> a mean, hilarious Cam Reddish man. experience uh, for me personally was so I was watching the game with JD Bunkus, and he had like Cam Reddish over eight and a half points, and was just like edge of his no. seat. Like, uh, the, to the yeah, he yeah, it? it hit. Yeah, he was at okay. nine. Yeah, um, I hope JD got five hundred k, man. Edge yeah. of his seat to the very end on Cam Reddish five hundred k or dinner. Yeah, with this JD. is that's a degenerate bet. So I, I think my other takeaway here is like, obviously we can the, the in season tournament was a success. They'll tweak things in the future, but LeBron carrying this much, the Lakers winning, LeBron winning MVP, I think is if the league could have picked an outcome. This was it. Yeah. I think now you can name the in-season MVP after LeBron later. Mm. And, yeah, it's always going to have that LeBron won the first one. This is yeah. so funny because, like, I don't feel like in other sports people talk about what would be best for the league. Like, people got to root for the NBA as a league, like if they're a startup or something. Like, yeah. when people watch NFL, they're not like, oh, wow, Patrick Mahomes just won the, the Super Bowl again. That's great mm. for the NFL. That's oh, great for the league. Oh, they do that in the NFL. 
But did I got to root for the league? Like, the Premier League is not like, oh, Liverpool won it this year. That was great for the league. Like, like I, I don't yeah. care about, like, no, the TV ratings in the championship. Like, I didn't care yeah. that it was the Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers in the World Series because, yeah. oh, the ratings. But if the league wants the in-season tournament to be a success, and we all had fun with it, if we want it to be back and to be something that sustains just for something different, it is important that, like, it does well. Yeah, I, I guess, but, like, I, I would have been happy with any outcome of the tournament because the games were competitive. That's the whole point is the games are competitive. I, I hear what you're saying with the business mm -hmm. side of things. Um, I do think for the the Pacers, though, they got a taste of what it's like to have to win, must-win games. Yeah. And you do hit a ceiling eventually, especially when you don't have big forwards to contend with the type of big forwards that you would see, like, in the Lakers. So... You know, if they had to trade for somebody like that, I mean, I would I would call around the league right now. That's, that's yeah, <laughs> I'm, um, I'm begging on air. No, man. I think I think that's a really good point. Like even going back to the semifinals game when the Pelicans just like didn't show up. Like these type of must win games kind of show you a little bit about these teams. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. so, um, they should name uh, which Lakers player do you think um, most likely took the 500k and went to the casino after? Gabe Vincent, Max Christie. <laughs> Yo, it was, it was great when who's, they showed the the, the, the trio of. Des Moines, uh, what's his name again? Hodge. Des Moines Hodge. Oh, is this yeah. Mr. Fudge? Des Moines Hodge, Alex Fudge, uh, Colin, Colin Castleton, Barry, Jalen Hood, Scafino. Yeah. Oh, my God. These are all backup QBs for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah. um, look, they have five rookies on this team, yeah, yeah, the three yeah. two-ways and two other ones. So no, those, those guys definitely didn't blow their money. I, I've told I, you guys the story before, like when I was on the road with 905 mm -hmm. and like the Exhibit 10 bonus hit everyone's bank account yeah. while I was on the road with them and like – the guys who had been around, like Tyler Ennis knew what to expect and like to budget around that. Yeah. And then the rookies were just like, yeah. like I have 50K. It's like, no, 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 you're going to get taxed like that's a bonus. Right. Uh, so you're not getting 50K. And then also like, that's it. You're on a G League salary. That's it for the year. It was funny to experience. I would imagine uh, these guys are a little more careful about theirs. Um, I kind of think Christian Wood. Christian Wood does strike me as a... As a risk taker, I guess I'll put it lightly. Yeah. Um, speaking of, um, you know, pizza parties and stuff. So I pulled up. So LeBron, uh, his first ever game against the Pacers was in November 2003. It was his fifth or sixth game of his rookie season. Yeah. Um, you know, you I ask want, me who's on that team. If you can name the other four starters on the Cavs, and then one, oh, one on of the you, and then one of you can name the other five starters on the Pacers, I will offer up two pizza parties. So who wants to take the Cavs? I'll take the Cavs because I, I, I okay. besides Reggie Miller, I don't know who. Okay, was on you that get you get eight guesses to get these four players, these four other starters. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. And Blake can't this help because Blake's on the Blake's gonna take the Pacers. We're talking about the starters. Oh, okay. 2003 Pacers. Okay. Because yeah. I, I think I've okay. got a couple of the Cavs off the top yeah. of my head. If but, we're but rookie we year LeBron, we can't. Blake's gonna get it. Okay. So. Okay. okay. Here we go. Uh, Zajuna Sikowski. Yep. There you go. Okay. One, one of one. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, yep. who was on? Oh, Larry Hughes. Uh, no, that's a brick. That's a brick. Yeah, one of two. Think before Larry Hughes. Jeff McGinnis? No, you got to think all those guys who disrespected LeBron being like, he's got to fit in. <laughs> he has to fit in. That's a great hit. He'll fit in f with us. Carlos Boozer? Boozer's on there. Okay. Yep. So you're two away. These are two swingman guard types. Two swingman guard types. One was in a movie and one told LeBron he's going to have to fit in with him. Yeah, th I don't know why. I thought that, I thought that was... 
Jeff McGinnis. No, no, no. no oh, it no, wasn't. No. Okay. No, no, no. Funnier than Jeff McGinnis. Yeah. What is that? Call him Blake for the lifeline. All right, Blake, go ahead. One lifeline only, though. Okay. Yeah. Do you? Am I giving him the answer or give him? Hit? Yeah, give him one of the two that's remaining. Ricky Davis is Ricky, the one so you're Ricky missing Davis, on there. Okay, yeah. And, and then he, the other one, he gave you a movie hint. You could say movies. I, I, yeah, I only know him in one movie. I'm going to okay. look up his IMDb <laughs> I got right two now. for him. He's a movie star. He's yeah. Movie He's star. best known on the Clippers. Oh. Wore a headband. Darius Miles? There yeah. We go. There, okay. National Lampoon's Van Wilder. Van Wilder. And what's the other one? The Perfect Score? The Perfect Score is the one I remember uh, him for. That talking, launched Chris Evans' career. Okay, you only get him. Have you heard that? Have you seen that movie before? <laughs> no. They steal the SAT yes. answers. It's a big heist movie. They steal the SAT answers. And Darius Miles, they all have their own individual motivation. Uh-huh. And Darius Miles is like, so he can get into a better school to play basketball because he doesn't have the marks oh, to get into school. You know school. what? We need to the do a Derrick Rose storyline. We need to do a rewatchables of SATs with Garrett Temple. Yeah. Um, okay, Pacers. Right. Pacers, Blake, I'm going to make it easier for you. You okay. only need to get four out of five. Okay. Because uh, five is LeBron five is really rookie difficult. year, Reggie was still around. So Reggie is one, yep. You only uh, need to get four. It's pre-Jermaine O'Neal traded to the Raptors, so Jermaine O'Neal's there. Yep. Nice. nice. They, so they got a guy that I used to love on fantasy because all he do is grab boards. Um, Jeff Foster? Yes. Oh, three. Sick. Um, this And then you got two left. This Al is, Harrington? No. So I'll give you five guesses. Was to get. Harrington on that team? Yes, off the okay. bench. Okay. So you have a point guard, and I can't really give a hint for this other one, but this, you know this other player. The oh, point guard is Meta tricky. World Peace. There you go. Or Ron Artest. The point guard you would have never gotten because I mean, you might have. It's Kenny Anderson. Oh, yeah. I oh, wouldn't yeah. have gotten that. You probably yeah. could have given me. All right. I mean, you could have like over hinted. The only way for me to get that is if you gave a hint yeah. that was too obvious. So, so that's but Al Harrington party. was on that team. Yes, he came off the bench. And then Fred Jones, Fred Jones was on was that there. team. Scott yep. Pollard, Austin yep. Crozier. Austin Crozier. Primo Brezic. Oh, the gangster. <laughs> is that was, was that his nickname? Yeah, he was like, he learned English, listened to hip hop and stuff, right? That's the story behind yeah, that yeah, one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he would tell people he was gangster. Chris, uh, for the Cavs off the bench, Chris Mim. Chris Mim. Nice. Kevin Ollie. Uh, oh wow. J.R. Bremer? Is that when JR's driving by the sky dome? <laughs> uh, J.R. Bremer. Capono that on that Cavs team too? Uh yes. Did DMP? Okay. Two wow. former DMP. Two former Raptors caught a DMP. Jason Capono and Yogi Stewart. Yogi Stewart. Yeah. Here's wow. my actual question. Sagana Jope. Uh shout out to Sagana Jop. Um It's a G League coach now. Did did either of those two teams? The Pacers or the Cavs in 2003, did either of them hit more than the Raptors hit from three, which okay. was six? Okay, so this is really back in the day. Oh, my God. You, do you guys want to hear this? Okay. <laughs> yeah. In that it. game, Cleveland only shot six threes, uh-huh. three of six. Okay. The Pacers were six of 18. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Reggie Miller was, had to be like all Reggie Miller, Reggie right? Reggie was three of five. Okay. Anthony Johnson, two of four. Uh-huh. And Fred Jones got them the other one as well. Wow. Yeah. Wow, so, we hit as many threes last week as two thousand three Pacers. Ago. We're so bad we don't even shoot tour dates. We shoot fake dates, man. Yeah, that's crazy. We shot June thirty second. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know you're bad. Uh, anyways, uh, overall in season tournament, I know we've covered it yeah. a lot. Anything stand out to in terms of hey, what do I want to add? What do I want to change? What do you guys want to see for next season? It was difficult seeing it in a neutral site. I know that yeah. this is something you guys all talked about. I had some hope that, like, there would be fans traveling. But the fact that they had to keep the lights so dim so you couldn't see how the many lights empties. were not bright enough. <laughs> the lights were dimmer than expected. <laughs> the seats were emptier <laughs> than expected. No, seriously, though, it would have been super sick for that to take place either in, in 
in Indiana or in in, in LA, like it mm-hmm. would have been sick mm-hmm. um, with actual fans. Yeah, the it's, tough part is going to be logistically. They like one of the things yeah. the league and Tim Bontemps had a, a piece at ESPN today. He talked to league people, coaches, teams, players, and one of the things the league is going to have to figure out is like even those two makeup games that teams had mm-hmm. logistically teams were having trouble fitting them in schedule selling tickets yeah, in time yeah. and like the raptors um, had the same issue uh, imagine if the raptors went to the finals and it's not a neutral site and you're juggling around the leafs and concerts and stuff like that yeah. and the league's like you got to keep all like you have to keep tuesday thir- monday tuesday thursday friday saturday all open that week in case you make a run in the tournament or you don't. I, yeah. I don't know. Like there are some teams who could, but logistically some of the teams that I don't, I don't know how feasible it is. Yeah. I would like Unless to, the schedule's flexible. I think I would like to see the group stage play. And I don't know what the solution is to make it more kind of interesting. Cause it was very mm-hmm. easy for like a team like the Raptors, you lose that first game against the Celtics and it's like, Oh, they're pretty much out You're done. unless they yeah. went out. So is there a way where we can create an environment where there's more meaning to all the so games? So this couldn't happen until the tournament is a little bigger. And whether the league's at 32 or they mm-hmm. invite the G League showcase winner or European teams or whatever, I had this idea watching the Hornets game. You should be able to get relegated from the in-season tournament where you are not allowed in the in-season tournament next year. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't make the tournament and then you lose two games in a row like the Raptors like did I in like the it. makeup games, there up. should be some way of, like, if you're the very bottom, yeah, yeah. hey, this tournament's 32 teams, but only 28 NBA teams get in. Yeah. And, like, I don't know how much players would care about that year to year, but, like, there would be incentive because there's TV revenue there. There's obviously bragging rights. Yeah. You know, you have I to like, make up the games <laughs> and stuff like somehow. I like but I, I really I, do I like think, like, like, with it. how competitive players are, the, like, scarlet letter of being relegated <laughs> mm. would, like, yeah, stick yeah. for people. I think it'd be awesome. And then it's like, let's say Toronto and Charlotte were the two teams that got relegated. During those two weeks, they have to play each other yeah. like four times. Yeah. And this is like, it it's only a, punishes the fans. But between the lines. Raps Hornets once again. It is now a pickup. Vegas has given up. Oh. <laughs> no, I think that's I like great. this idea. My big push um, is like, I know they pulled the teams this year based on previous year's records. Just go to divisions, man. Like, we should be fighting Boston. New York, Philadelphia, every year. Like, that's why these games should matter. I like that. I like that too. Yeah, right? it also, yeah. like, divisions don't really matter that much anymore. So it yeah. does put a little emphasis yeah, back on now, the, the, leagues, the league's response to that. They've been asked about that. Yeah. was like, it's too hard to control how imbalanced the divisions are year to year. Where, like, yeah, the Raptors, like, the, the, the Atlantic is a really tough in-season yeah. tournament pool then. And you already have to play those teams more. Yeah. So I think the league would be worried, like, if a division ends up loaded it like you get like double punished. I, and I wonder if that makes the other scheduling easier because you know you have to schedule games against those teams. That part anyways. is definitely accurate. Yeah. So anyways, I would like to see that because at the end of the day, it's still like you're playing against Orlando. Like it's not, there's no rivalry there mm. where you do have history with the divisions. Anyways, I think there's rivalry there. The Magic are <laughs> taking your strategy and doing it correctly. <laughs> anyway, uh, that, that's rival for me. Shouts to Adam Silver for this because the in-season tournament was great content. Okay, It was LeBron. great content to go to. Adam Silver is a genius you know the only thing i would say is uh they (laughs) just can't only play the ll cool j song so what was you know it just it was just like what about about neil next year let me clear my throat it's just the the song every game (laughs) neil killed it with the anthem man great suit as well or great jacket but anyway that does it for us today i've been your host willow you've been listening to the raptor show on the sports radio network make sure you find the raptor show where to listen to podcasts and subscribe please rate and review the show thanks once again to michael grange frank katz producer calls alex one blake murphy our producer deborah Neil, jennifer olnick david says jeremy helping behind the scenes we'll talk to you tomorrow